Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 111 of Crunch Time. I'm going to be your host for today's episode. I am Tanner Dislin, and I am joined, as always, by Sam Godsey, and we are the N326 duo. It is so nice to be back after taking the week off for Thanksgiving. We hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Sam, how was your Thanksgiving? Man, it was awesome. Uh, Did things a little different this year. Uh, Went down to St. Thomas and actually ended up uh, coming out of there and engaged man. So uh, very exciting for sure. Congratulations, my friend from all of us. Um, we got a lot to talk about on this yeah. episode, a certainly a weekend of, of football, uh, depending on which games <laughs> you watched. It maybe was maybe a good weekend, maybe not so much, but definitely on the college side of things. Some good games, rivalry, rivalry week, of course, never disappoints. But before we get into all of that, of course, we always start with our winners and losers. Sam, who is your winner of the episode? Yeah, my winner of the episode is probably the most dominant athlete in his game in his sport and that is none other than f1 driver max verstappen of red bull um the f1 just wrapped up uh their season going into winter break um and max verstappen basically obliterated all competition um so he had the most wins in a season he won 19 of the 22 races He scored the most points, 575 in a season. Most podium finishes uh, with 21. Um, Most laps led with 1,003. Jesus Christ. And then most consecutive wins uh, with 10. He won over $140 million uh, for Red Bull. He is now third time. Third all-time in wins, and he won his third championship uh, this season. So just an absolute dominant uh, season by Max Verstappen. I mean, we got to start having this conversation, right? I mean, Max Verstappen, Joey Chestnut, like who is the most dominant person uh, in their respective sports? Sam, I mean, I know you said one of the most quick who you got. Joey Chestnut or Max Verstappen? Who's more dominant? Uh, I think I'm going to give it to Joey Chestnut because of his longevity. I think he's just been at the top for so damn long. And there hasn't, like, as long as he's been in it, there hasn't been a severe drop-off. But if Verstappen can keep this up, he's uh, definitely entering uh, Joey Chestnut uh, levels. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's just so funny. We talk like the most dominant athletes in their sport are hot dog eating and and uh F1 racing. <laughs> but yeah, Max Verstappen. Uh if you if you're if you're a betting person, Max Verstappen to win any F1 race seems like an automatic yeah. lock week after week, race after race. But uh my winner of the week, of course, gotta shout out Sam if we Weren't going to say it earlier, Sam, on his engagement. Again, another round of applause. Congratulations, appreciate, appreciate. my friend. But uh, in the sports realm, my winner of the episode, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos, man. This yeah. team is red hot right now. I mean, remember earlier when we were talking about my my deep hatred 
of Sean Payton, which obviously still exists, and I still don't want the Broncos to win any games. But I hate Sean Payton. We were talking about it. Well, the guy that he talked so much smack about, Nathaniel Hackett being the worst head coaching job he's ever seen, was off to a better start than uh, Sean Payton was. Well, the Broncos have completely turned around their season. They're winners of five straight. That's right, five straight. They beat the Browns on Sunday. Uh, Before that, of course, they won a close one over the Vikings, beat the Bills in Buffalo, uh, beat the Chiefs, and beat the Packers. The Packers are now playing really good football. They were winners of a couple straight. So, I mean, this Denver Broncos team right now is playing absolutely insane, easily the hottest team in football. And an important thing to note, point totals in all those games, 12 to the Browns, 20 to the Vikings, 22 to the Bills, 9 to the Chiefs, and 17 to the Packers. So if you add those up really quick, quick math, 12, 20, 32, plus 22, 54, plus 9, 63, plus 17, 80. Those five games have let up 80 points. They give up 70 in one yeah. game to the Miami Dolphins. So the defense has absolutely come on. They're playing like one of the best defenses in the league. They are getting so many turnovers, turnover after turnover after turnover. Granted, they did play two backup quarterbacks in a row and Josh Dobbs and, and uh, Dorian thompson Rock. Yeah, Dorian Thompson-Robinson slash P.J. Walker. Yeah. Uh, But still, they look absolutely incredible. Got to give them a shout-out. They're playing really good football. Uh, We're not going to talk about their game today, but still got to shout them out because they are are red hot. Yeah, they're they're one of the hottest teams. It seems like, I mean, we were kind of down on them uh, to begin the season. Got off to a very slow start. Seemed like the defense could do – couldn't even stop a nosebleed and – Boy, have uh, the tables turned. Literally, like one of the st- statistically the worst defenses of all time. Couldn't stop anything. 70 points. <laughs> they gave up 70 points, and then all of a sudden, they are playing great football. Uh, but, of course, now we got to turn around, look at the other side of things. Who is your loser? Of course, I got to talk about the weird, weird situation going on in Baton Rouge with the LSU women's team. <laughs> Um, shucks there. It seems there's a bunch of feuds going on, uh, between Angel Reese and Kim Mulvey. Um, last time we saw Angel Reese play, she got pulled two minutes in the game by Kim Mulvey. Um, reports have gone out that she's feuding with uh, another player's mom. Uh, she's supposedly doesn't have is uh not academically eligible to be playing so going from the high of high to to <laughs> crash and burn early on in this season uh is definitely an interesting story that's the second time LSU women's basketball I've been a loser on this show you just hate to see these yeah. things um but yeah dude I mean I've seen like you said I've seen Feuding with uh, what is it like Flauge? Flauge's mother, mother, uh, academically ineligible. Um, I even saw a TikTok. Granted, this is on TikTok, so not uh, take it with a grain of yeah. salt. But you know, when she said something about uh, how she was taking, she announced that she was taking all of her classes online because she was just too big of a star and she didn't want to be bothered uh-huh. on campus. And this, and this person was like, "Uh, hello, we had Justin Jefferson and yeah, Joe Burrow on Joe this campus, Burrow, and they yeah. went to class like they were." People didn't stop them. Like, we all know it's fine. Like, it's like, what in just an absolute train wreck of a situation in LSU. And again, I just cannot stress to you how distraught about it we are. Um, 
Ready to talk about some football. You need to give us your loser, bud. <laughs> we'll take one week and I'm already out of practice. I cannot say my loser, but my loser of the episode is going to be Deontay Johnson. Um, I tell you what, it was an interesting situation uh, in the Steelers Bronc or Steelers uh, Bengals game. Excuse me. Uh, we knew this game was going to be a little rough with the, uh, the Steelers offense being as it is. And um, the Bengals not having Joe Burrow and starting Jake Browning as their quarterback. Well, in this game, uh, Jalen Warren, the Steelers running back, he was given the ball uh, on a play and was running and, and he fumbled it. And it was pretty clearly a fumble. Uh-huh. Uh, and Deontay Johnson looked at the ball and just continued walking right past it uh, while the Bengals picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. Like uh-huh. clear as day, walked right past it, wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I just never understand that. Like, have never understood it to this day. And why is it always offense? Like, everybody on defense, like, it, it's the most obvious incomplete pass, and defenders are jumping on it as a yeah. fumble. And for some reason, offensive players just don't do that. And there are yeah. so many times where you see someone just like lazily walking by a live football. Unless you're an O lineman, O line O linemen are, are, are tend to tend to be pretty good at recovering footballs. But still, like. Wider, like they just want no part of it. It's pretty insane to me, but yeah, he just like he just walked right past it, wanted nothing to do with it, and gave up a touchdown. Yeah, it was very weird. Um, he absolutely got flamed on X, just no effort given. Um, it was just a wild sequence for sure. Not his best moment. I think was it Deontay? I think it might have been Deontay Johnson a few years ago in a Steelers Vikings game. The Vikings were kicking the crap out of the Steelers in the first half. They were up by like three or four touchdowns. Second half, Steelers start to come back. They're down like eight with like 20 seconds left. They get a key first down to Deontay Johnson. Like they needed to the line as soon as possible, right? Uh-huh. So they get it. It was to John, Deontay Johnson. Everyone hurries down uh, to spike it, and he gets up and he points for the first time. Th- yeah, does his little dance. I think that was Deontay Johnson. I believe like, so. Yeah, he maybe isn't the best, uh, you know, situationally up there in the old uh, cranium, but yeah, yeah, not a good look for him. But now let's talk about it, baby. It was a little quick to jump to the. Uh, it was a little quick. Was it jump? I jumped the gun too quick. That is the saying. Jumped the gun too quick because I'm so excited to talk about this awesome display of football we had. We're going to start off on Black Friday, the Heroes Trophy. You all know it by name. Of course, it's a staple in college football. Yes, we're talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the most heated rivalry in all of sports. Well, Iowa was able to come out victorious in this one, Sam, in Lincoln. 13 to 10. Yeah. Um, this was classic uh, Big Ten West football, not a lot of scoring, terrible quarterback play, um, and a lot of kicks and punts. And uh, that's basically all it was, Tanner. Um, the Iowa defense looked as good as ever, only allowing 264 total yards. Um, the offense we've seen it uh over and over nothing impressive got our run game going a little bit with LaShawn Williams uh carrying the ball for 111 yards um but still terrible 
uh, in every other offensive aspect of the game. Um, and our kicking game even struggled a little bit um, late in the game. Um, we saw Drew Stevens actually get um, get pulled in. Uh, Marshall Meter uh, comes in and drills the game winner uh, to give the Hawks a big win over Big Red. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all know I was MO, play good defense, <laughs> have elite special teams. <clears throat> Simply put, Drew Stevens was terrible yeah. today. I mean, two block kicks, as you said. I mean, one of them was a little chip shot that he got – he almost kicked into the ground. Like, it had negative lift to it. When yeah. it's the most e- – like, you don't even have to kick it far. Just get it up in the air. He couldn't do it, got blocked. Uh, and he also had two free kicks out of bounds in that game as yeah. well, giving Nebraska good uh, – a good field position. Um, it was a really rough game for him. Something I have yet to like. I've never seen anything like yeah. that before from an Iowa, you know, an Iowa kicker or anything on Iowa special teams. But yeah, really, really strange. Um, also, the de- the defense was good as ever. Absolutely. Of course, the one Nebraska touchdown was a terrible defensive play call by Phil Parker. Uh, I mean, it's hard to be mad at him. He's obviously saved our season so many times, but. Uh, he dialed up this weird fake blitz thing, pulled the safeties up, and got beat over the top, which yeah. didn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, and I also got to talk about Kirk Ferentz in the final minute of the game because, well, we all, this game ended in an incredibly strange way where yeah. Iowa threw a pick with, what, 40 seconds left-ish, yeah. only for Nebraska to th- – or when Nebraska got the ball, like, right at around midfield, like, pretty, pretty – you know, didn't have to move it far for field goal range. They turned around and threw a pick right back to Iowa, who then returned and was able to get it within field goal range from a long run uh, from LaShawn Williams. Uh, so dueling turnovers in the final minutes led to the, what Iowa thought maybe be choking the game away, yeah. and then Nebraska ended up getting it right back for the final kick. Um, but in that right before the Iowa uh, interception, they ran the ball. It was stopped. Time, of course, of course, was ticking. Matt Rule ran over to the referee, calling a timeout. But Kirk Ferentz beat him to it, took a timeout, allowed Nebraska to keep their timeout, yeah. then went ahead and threw the ball right after it into double coverage for the pick. I, I was so, so furious at that decision. It made no sense. Uh, Kirk Ferentz almost cost us the game, him and Deacon Hill, with that, I mean, the one thing you can't do, turn it over, at least have Tory Taylor punt it. But, of course, <laughs> he uh, he doesn't have that awareness or recognition, so he does throw the pick. But, I mean, Iowa tried to give it away. Nebraska tried to give it away. Terrible defensive call by Iowa. Uh, Nebraska throwing that last pick. It was just an absolute crap fest. Uh, but Iowa wins. The Heroes Trophy is back home, and that's a double-digit win season for the yeah. Iowa Hawkeye team, Sam. Without, without. Cade McNamara, Luke Lachey, and Eric All, their three best offensive players. Yeah. It's uh is a very impressive uh feat for what Iowa did. Um personally I think Kirk Ferentz should have won uh Big Ten uh coach of the year, but with everything that's gone on with Northwestern, uh Braun is definitely uh right up there, I think, any other year. Kirk Ferentz walks away with it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I want to say I had them going 7-5 and five 
when we first talked about their season. I think you had them going nine and three. They did better than both uh, our predictions. Yeah. And we were assuming a healthy offense. Yeah. It's it's uh, definitely crazy. Um, but big game this upcoming weekend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's more, all. more on that one to come. Yeah. And spoiler alert, the outlook isn't good. <laughs> um, because... On the east side of things in the Big Ten, of course, we had the game, Ohio State-Michigan, uh, the number one rivalry in college sports. It was, I mean, it's just every year, it's an absolute banger. Uh, Michigan, an interim head coach, Sharon Moore, at home, take care of the Buckeyes, winning three straight in the rivalry now, 30-24. to 24. Yeah, I mean... This Michigan team is so freaking good. It seems as good as J.J. McCarthy has been majority of the season, that run game with uh, Corum and Edwards taking a huge load off of uh, J.J. McCarthy, forcing it not to throw the ball 40 times a game, just through 20 passes was a very efficient uh, 16 for 20, only 148 yards. And then Corum, 22 carries, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Donovan Edwards, 10 carries for 31. Just having those two guys being able to take some of the offensive uh, firepower uh, dependency on McCarthy is uh, huge for Michigan. And uh, Michigan is looking as good as ever, and I'm not looking forward to playing on this upcoming weekend. Uh, no, I am not either. That I mean, that's what they do, right? We saw it uh, when we played Michigan two years ago uh, in the Big Ten Championship game. They will just – they got mean big guys in the trenches. They will wear you down. And Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, as good as a running back duo, as you will see in college football – and they will just keep wearing you down, keep wearing you down, and then they will strike when the time comes. Also, that defense generating turnovers. Um, yeah, I mean, this is exactly what I expected out of Michigan. Looking at Ohio State now, Sam, it seems to me the offseason plan is clear. Get a quarterback. Yeah. We all know there are going to be names in the transfer portal. Who that is, you know, at this point – we don't know who, but we all know there will be names, and I'm sure there will be a quarterback in there that would be an upgrade from Kyle McCord. Because yeah. let me tell you what, Sam, he has not been what they expected under center. But adding another two picks today and a crucial one that gave Michigan good field position to open open the scoring. Yeah, I mean, I so quarterback number one issue. Number two takeaway for Ohio State. Jesus Christ, is Marvin Harrison Jr. on? He's unbelievable. 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 Um, yeah, that's bullet point number two. And bullet point number three now. Of course, we got to talk about it. Ryan Day's future with the Buckeyes. Sam, do you have any opinions on this? Yeah, um, it's definitely giving me interesting um has he had uh, tremendous success uh, at Ohio State? I would say yes, but when you lose three straight to Michigan, that is the one game you can't lose. 
And especially after a stretch where they won like eight straight yeah. or something. Yeah, it's it's getting a little dicey, and it's it's you know <laughs> a lot of people wanted to a lot of people wanted to compare the Iowa situation to the Nebraska situation when they fired Bo Pelini. And I don't think that's apples to apples. You know, Iowa having historically bad side of the ball. Yeah, they're winning games, but the team is objectively not good. Yeah. Whenever they play anyone good, they get crushed. But I think this Ohio State situation is kind of like that, you know, where, you know, it's like they're, they're a really good team. They're a really good defensive team. They're a really good offensive team. They win a lot of games. Yeah. They just can't get over the hump these past few years because they can't win the game. They look, I mean, they took Georgia to like the very last, took Georgia to the last second in, yeah. in the playoff a year ago. A Georgia team that beat the living piss out of a TCU team. So, like, they obviously can play under Ryan Day. They're obviously a yeah. good team. He's had good teams. Just this game is the one thing that's really getting in his way. So, like, I, I certainly don't think I would fire him. Uh, but definitely the seat's getting hot, and you need to tell him, like, look, we don't care about this other crap. Beat Michigan. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned the big thing going in for Ohio State is a need for quarterback. There are a couple names that have already been uh, announced that they're entering the transfer portal. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, who had a pretty good year this year mm-hmm. has announced Kansas State quarterback Will Howard entering um one of the biggest names that hasn't been announced but is more than likely to be announced Cam Ward of yes. uh, Washington State yes. that's a that's g- he's probably going to be uh the number one prospect in the transfer portal and uh pairing him up with uh the loaded um, wide receiver room that I'm sure where Ohio State's going to have next year would be uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, that's a great shout right there. Uh, interesting name. I'm one name that I just think of as a candidate. What about uh, uh, Brady Cook from Missouri? Yeah, you know I don't. That's a name to watch. I don't, you know I don't. He could be very happy in Missouri. He hasn't announced anything yet. Uh, but it seems like after the year he had, maybe he would look for some some NIL opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's going to be names. Max Johnson from A and M. We saw him play play well. Is that well. the lefty? That is the lefty. Mm-hmm. Um, another Utah quarterback, Nate Johnson, uh, one of their backups, also entered the transfer portal. So a lot of names out there, um, and definitely going to be more and more to come for. Sure, and that's certainly going to be priority number one, unless they feel like they can run with Kyle McCord, which doesn't look like it to be the case, uh, according according to us and according to a lot of the country. But the last college game we're going to talk about uh, for today, the Iron Bowl, and this one did not disappoint. Of course, we all know the Iron Bowl for some of the craziest finishes. Uh, this one right up there with it. Alabama scoring a touchdown on fourth and goal from the from the Auburn, what was it, like the 30? Yeah. Uh, with 40 seconds or so left in the back of the end zone. Absolute craziness. They win this game 27-24. Yeah, this, you mentioned it, Tanner. Uh, Iron Bowl is known for 
their storybook endings. And this one was definitely one of those. Um, with 40 seconds left, like you said, uh, get a couple penalties. It's fourth and goal, but really fourth and 30-some. And uh, Jalen Milrow uh, puts the Alabama Crimson Tide on his back and delivers an absolute perfect throw. Um, the receiver, I'm blanking on his name right now, but makes a hell of a grab. Um, two feet inbounds, just an absolute amazing catch, uh, giving Alabama a huge win over in-state rival uh, Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I mean, clutch play after clutch play. Uh, if you're Alabama, though, obviously you've got a big matchup coming up, SEC championship game, playing for a spot in the playoff. It's a little bit concerning that Auburn looked at you in the face and said, we don't need to throw because we're going to run for 244 on you. And that's the only reason Auburn was in this game. Yeah, it's definitely a big concern uh, if you're looking at Alabama hanging in this weekend um, get playing Georgia, who has looked like the best team the entire year. Definitely cause for concern, but I'm sure uh, that is priority number one for uh Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide this uh this week prepping for that big game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean three players had uh over fifty rushing yards. Yeah. And one was the quarterback and that number's probably skewed downward from sack yards, so uh which they count in college as rushing yards for some reason. But yeah, definitely definitely concerning if you're um Alabama and of course Georgia next week, an offense that can do it through the air, do it on the ground. So definitely need to tighten that up before uh, before conference championship week. But shall we move on to the National yeah. Football League? Let's do it. All right, we'll start on Thanksgiving. Sam, must have been a good Thanksgiving for you and Dallas fans everywhere as they completely throttled the Washington Commanders 45-10. Yeah, absolute uh, throttling of the Commanders. It seems that this story keeps coming up with the Cowboys. They struggle against the good teams of the NFL and just absolutely kick the shit out of the bad teams. And this is another case of it. I mean, we saw Dak Prescott play another tremendous game, 22 for 32, 331 yards, four touchdowns. Saw Tony Pollard get into himself. Finally. 13 carries, 79 yards, got in the end zone. Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb having one uh, touchdown to their own just an absolutely dominating uh performance from the cowboys um not really impressive but not overly impressive it is the commanders but um just another great win um in a dom in a dominating fashion for sure yeah, not much hope over in Washington for the rest of this year. We know their trade deadline philosophy, get rid of everybody who is good, including Montez Sweat, who had a great week. More on that to come. Um, yeah, they fired their defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, after this game. It seems like uh, our friend Riverboat Ron is going to be heading uh, probably to retirement, honestly, yeah. after this year. Um but yeah, so interesting, interesting times in Washington. Seems like it's going to be a whole new, a whole new era. I mean, the the you know the the Snyder's is over. Brought in Josh Harris. Maybe changing the name again. Who knows? Yeah. 
But uh, I tell you what, though, I do want to sh- shout out Sam Howell. 300 yards in this game. Yeah. The dude can actually play. The dude can <laughs> play football. He's having a pretty good season, especially given his weapons and his team quality. Uh, so at least that there's a bright spot for the commanders. Yeah, definitely. I think the commanders do have their guy at quarterback. Um, just need to give him more weapons, um, especially in that run game. We haven't seen a consistent run game. I mean, Sam House consistently throwing in the mid to upper 40s. Uh, definitely cause yep. for concern uh, with a young quarterback, but uh, yeah, I mean, Sam Howell is that guy for the commanders and uh, I think it's going to pan out well for his career. Yeah, definitely. And also on Thanksgiving, just a quick highlight 49ers took care of business against the Seahawks and Sam one game we're not going to talk about, but it does bear uh, mentioning uh, the the Packers going yeah. in to Ford Field in Detroit. Jordan Love looking really good, which yeah. is definitely scary. I'm not loving that. But, yeah, he looked very good against the Lions. And now the Packers season is back on. It's yeah. how things are shaping up in the NFC North now. Now is like, wow, things are definitely looking uh, different. And the bottom line, NFC North is trash. But somehow this next game we're going to talk about was one of the best games of the week and is like was one of the best games of the week and was a had huge AFC, <laughs> AFC playoff seeding um, ramifications. Jaguars and Texans. I mean, I, we all knew the Jaguars were probably going to be winning that division, but the Texans, of course, CJ Stroud looking awesome. That team is fighting for the playoffs, but the Jags go into Houston and get the win 24 21. Yeah, this game was awesome. Uh, two of the best young talents in the league uh, with C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, putting on a master class. Trevor Lawrence, uh, 364 yards, one touchdown, one interception. C.J. Stroud, uh, 304 yards, two touchdowns, plus a rushing touchdown. This game was all we could hope for. Like you said, no one really expected the Texans to be good. I know I was kind of on the boat of, I think CJ Stroud is going to perform well, but I don't think it's going to lead to team success. And uh, boy, was I wrong. The Texans have been better than anyone could hope for. Um, but again, kind of a same, uh, same thought process with both of these teams as the commanders. It seems like they are relying heavily on the passing game. Have to get that rushing game up. Uh, Travis Etienne um, did have a decent game, but on 20 carries, only 56 yards and not getting into that end zone is definitely a cause for concern. Uh, But more importantly, on the Texans side, they have damn near no uh, rushing attack. They're... Lean rusher was actually Shroud with 47 yards. Uh, their next was Devin Singletary with 18 yards. So Not great. It seems that this is becoming a pass-only league, which I'm here for because it usually means more points. But this game was fun. Man. It was very fun. And if you got CJ Stroud, why not sling the damn thing? But now, I mean, looking at the Jags here, this now becomes an interesting conversation. Leading the AFC South, um, they are tied for – they're tied for – like I think right now they fall in the, in the three spot because they do not have the tiebreaker 
with the Chiefs. They actually lost to them head to head. But right now, the number one seed in the AFC is Baltimore at nine and three. Then it's Kansas City at eight and three, Jacksonville at eight and three, and Miami at eight and three. So those other three teams all tied with eight and three. I know Miami's still got Dallas on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Miami's been a team that's really struggled with some of these um with some of these better teams in the NFL. And the the Chiefs uh schedule, I think they still have what, the Bills on their on their schedule. So they have some some games there. And I'm right now I'm looking at the Jaguars schedule. They've got the Bengals at home without Joe Burrow. Yeah. Then they play the Browns, who might be down to PJ Walker as their quarterback. Yeah. Then they have a big one against the Ravens at home. So that's a potential to make up ground. But then they go and play the Buccaneers, Panthers, and Titans. So there's really only one game they might not be favored yeah. and favored comfortably in. And that's against the Ravens, a team you're chasing. So this is yeah. a really doable thing for the Jaguars to actually come out of here with the number one seed. Yeah. Am I crazy for thinking this? No. No, not at all. Uh, seeing the end of the year in comparison to uh, to the other teams fighting for that one spot. It's definitely possible. It definitely seems that the schedule favors the Jags, but like every week in the NFL, you can't overlook uh, your opponent because anything can happen any given Sunday. Yeah, for sure. So looking at the Chiefs, they still mentioned they have the Bills. They actually do get that in Kansas City, though. They also have the Bengals, obviously, without Joe Burrow, and then they have the Chargers in L.A. So that one could also uh, cause some uh, cause a hiccup uh, for the <clears throat> for the uh, Chiefs. And then going into the Dolphins real quick before we move on, go and pull it up. They still got to play. Um, they still got the Cowboys and the Ravens. So again, yeah. another one in there. So Jags, hey now, they might be able to get that. Number one overall seed. But moving on into the later slate of games, this was probably the game of the week, Sam. This one goes to overtime. We got saw some elite quarterback play. Jalen Hurts versus Josh Allen in the rain. Eagles win in overtime, 37-34. Yeah, this game was the best of the weekend. Um, it really makes no sense to me how the – Bills fumbled this. I mean, they had 505 yards to Eagles 378, 332 passing to 193, 173 rushing yards to 185, 5.5 yards per play to 5.8. They had 29 first downs to 24, 13 for 22 on third down to 4 for 11, uh, 92 total plays, only one sack allowed. Uh, only punt four times, uh, time of possession, 40 to 26 minutes. The Eagles had two turnovers to uh, just one for the Bills. The only indication that gives me why the Eagles won is the Bills did have 11 penalties for 80 yards, but this one just did not make much sense to me, but... It seems the Eagles kind of win that way. It's ugly, um, but in the grand scheme of things, they come out with a dub, especially at home. You, I mean, you absolutely nailed it. Even watching the game, it's just like, how are, how are the Eagles in this right now? Like, the way the Bills were able to move the ball, um, 
the way Josh Allen was playing. I mean, it was. It looked I like a say, vintage Josh Allen game. Mm-hmm. Finally cleaned up on that turnovers. Mm-hmm. He only did have the one pick. I will say it was a pretty crucial point. Um, I think uh, the, the Bills were clinging to a small lead after an Eagles touchdown uh, and turned it right back over to them and allowed them to, uh, I think it was, tie the game, actually. So uh, uh, it was in a big spot, but still. 500 yards of offense from from like you totally take just the just the one pick um i just feel so bad for bills fans man it's you're you know you're branded you know america's darling of a team you know you you slip up a couple times a year ago you kind of get screwed with the uh you know with the demar hamlin situation yeah the seating was weird so you have to go to cincinnati you lose that one fine whatever this year you have an incredibly hard schedule have you looked at the schedule of the bills this is insane right here um but you come in with an incredibly hard schedule you you know you lose some early games then you got to play all these really good teams now uh so they they just played you know they just played the uh the eagles next week they got the chiefs in kansas city week after that they got the cowboys then the chargers and then the dolphins to finish out the season so Really difficult schedule for Buffalo. Um, your defense is so deep. Everyone worth a damn on your offense is hurt. Um, it's just a really, really not good situation for the Bills falling to six and six on a very big, big time verge of missing the playoffs. Yeah. Um, although if they do miss the playoffs, the schedule next year should be easier. Your team should be every bit as talented. Maybe you can stay healthy. And it seems like year. After year, after year, you talk about the Buffalo Bills playing in the game of the year, how it's such a great game, how there's so much offense, and every year they lose. Yeah, it, it seems that way. Um, obviously, this game went into overtime, like you said. Josh Allen is currently 0-6 and six in overtime games. Um, I mean, we mentioned he's one of the best quarterbacks I know. He struggled in kind of throughout the season with uh, countless errors, but 0-6, that's that's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Bills fan. Yeah, 0-6 in overtime, which keep in mind the rules were changed. <laughs> yeah. And they got the ball first yeah. in this game. Yeah, that's got brutal, ain't it? Oh, man, they're finding ways to lose in overtime now. Definitely brutal. I do feel bad for Bills fans, but hey, as Bills and – Vikings fans know very much so there is always next year. But you turn to look at the Philadelphia side of things, Sam. Yes, you figured out a way to win again. They seemingly don't lose. You have to be a little concerned now. This is week after week after week we're talking about this defense getting gashed. Yeah. I mean, 500-plus yards <laughs> against the Bills. Um, we talked about the I mean, the commanders, getting, the commanders scoring 31 on the Eagles, like that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Commander scored 31 twice so far this year on the Eagles. Um, that defense needs to be better, but we will get a big time test next week as the 49ers play the Eagles. Uh, somehow that game is not prime time. It is the yeah. the game of the week though, like at three, you know, the 325 three, game or the 325 central, you know, 425 yeah. Eastern, uh, but not Sunday night or Monday night, which yeah. is uh, pretty interesting. But, we shouldn't be able to get a good litmus test for the Eagles, but right after that too, then they got to go to Dallas. So a really tough, 
stretch. Wow, what a stretch for the Eagles. They go Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys. Oof. Yeah, that's not easy. And they're currently four a three and zero in that stretch. So yeah, well, you know how that goes. Eagles don't lose, but definitely concerned about their defense. And according to my calculations, <laughs> that's all the NFL yep, games we're going to no, talk about. That's, there, was, there is actually no Monday night game. That's what I'm reading too, <laughs> yeah. because oh my gosh, was that the worst thing I have ever seen in my life? The worst thing yeah. I have ever seen. Now, I know what we're going to say. Yes, Josh Dobbs did not look good. Um, and I tell you what, I do, not, I do not put this on Josh Dobbs one bit. You can't understate what he's done for the Vikings organization, how much fun he's brought the fans, the organization themselves. Um, but at the end of the day, Josh Dobbs is a journeyman backup quarterback. Yeah. He's put together some good moments. He's very athletic. He is not Kirk Cousins. He is not a QB1. He is not a franchise quarterback. He has never been that. And you tried to turn him into that on Monday night. You tried to turn him into Cousins, making him sit back in the pocket and deliver pass, go through progressions. That's not Josh Dobbs. That has never been Josh Dobbs, which sucks because I, this year, has been one of the single best coaching, uh, you know, coaching years I've ever seen from any of my favorite football teams. What Kevin O'Connell has done with the locker room after the 0-3 start, bringing in Josh Dobbs, getting him up to speed, telling him plays through the microphone. We all know what happened against Atlanta. We all like we all talked about that. That is incredibly impressive from Kevin O'Connell. But for all how impressive that was, this was one of the worst coach games I've ever seen yeah. from him. The play calling was awful. He had no idea, he had no sense of when to push for aggression, when to push on the side of conserv- conservatism, like going for it on fourth and seven at midfield. Why are you doing that? And then later in the game, up one with three minutes left, you run the ball three times when your opponent has two timeouts. Hey, guess what, Kevin? You use those two timeouts, and so you get that, that one play where he doesn't have a timeout. You run off 40 seconds. The difference between two and three-quarters minutes and three-and-a-half minutes is non-existent in the yeah. NFL. That is in insane amount of time why not try and be aggressive get the first down and maybe seal the win but instead you don't you'd be incredibly conservative you give it right back to the bears mind you who hadn't scored a touchdown in the game yet but they had been moving the ball consistently time after time it was incredibly frustrating to watch and not to mention the way he treated josh dobbs as i said like he has been so good this year moving the pocket, getting in space, and delivering on the run, making plays with his feet. And what, is, what does he do in the game against Chicago? He sits back. He tries to make him read through progressions, read coverages. And what happens? Four picks. Yeah. Not all of them were his fault. I would say maybe two of them were his fault. And then he had about another three or four throws where you're like, why are you throwing that? And very easily could have been intercepted. One was a flat-out drop by the Bears defender. That would have been an easy pick six. So I'm a little bit frustrated with this from the coaching staff, and I know you're not going to win every game in the NFL, but when you're this year's Minnesota Vikings team and you've lost to Tampa and you've lost to the Chargers and you've lost to uh, to the Broncos, like all of these very winnable games, you haven't bought any goodwill. You need to win these games, and you didn't because of poor coaching, and, like, Josh Dobbs wasn't good. Again, he was not good at all. Um, but still, I mean, everyone on the defense, 
it, it's everyone's fault who doesn't play on the defense because they all played like crap unless you're on the defense. You're awesome if you played on the defense, holding the Bears to not getting in the end zone. They lost with – the Vikings lost to the Bears who scored 12 points on four field goals. It was incredibly frustrating. It was absolutely awful to watch, and I'm getting really frustrated talking about it right now because it was a game you had to have after losing to the Broncos. You had to have this. Now you fall to six and six. The Packers are red hot, as I said, winning a few games now, beating the beating the Lions. So this was like if you win this game, you put yourself in a good spot to make a run at the North. But instead, you lose to a really bad Bears team. You play like crap. You coach like crap. And now you're in a really tough spot. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Really tough spot. Um, you've already committed to the season, so you can't take the foot off the gas now. It's and then sure enough, what did they do? They did just enough to get the middle of the pack pick, which means they won't get a quarterback, which means this is how it's going to go. And it's the same old crap in purgatory every year for the Minnesota Vikings. It is just so damn frustrating because all I needed was some conviction and it seems like they went for it. And of course now they're losing to the bears without scoring a touchdown. It's just so damn frustrating. Yeah. It was awful. I like to personally apologize to everyone who watched that Monday night football game. Uh, credit to you for not gouging your eyes out. I almost thought I, I thought about it, decided not to. And then at the very, and the most frustrating part is as bad as they played, they were winning with like two and a half minutes left yeah. in the game. Uh, so really, really frustrating stuff. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. It was just awful. Yeah. Awful, I, awful. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with, it seems there there was a miss. It seems that they wanted Josh Dobbs to play as a pocket passer, which he's not. You saw that in the previous games. He started for the Vikings. He excels when he can make his own make his own plays, scramble for ten, fifteen yards. It to be honest, there it's similar to what we've seen with the Cowboys last year. We saw Dak Prescott struggle. We, he was more of a pocket passer under uh, Kellen Moore. This year, Mike McCarthy is the offensive play caller, letting him run run free a little bit, and we've seen his uh, interception numbers go way down. Um, it's it's just it's got it's frustrating as a Vikings fan. I'm sure uh, seeing how well he's played the past couple games, and then almost like a whole new offense with him. Uh, kind of the old offense with Kirk Cousins has returned this week, and it's just two completely different style of quarterbacks, and you have to adjust to those quarterback play styles. Yeah, for sure. Definitely frustrating. And, again, I Kevin O'Connell has been awesome this year. This one definitely is a head-scratcher and worthy of criticism. Uh yeah, really, really frustrating stuff. But now Minnesota looks ahead. They have uh, the bye, much needed bye. Take time to regroup, get healthy. Justin Jefferson was activated off IR, so he'll be playing in two weeks' time when they go to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Now, if they lose to Aiden O'Connell, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting podcast after that. Yeah. But, of course, they have the bye. You can at least take a breath, get healthy, relax. I don't have to watch. Josh Dobbs give me a heart attack every play yeah. uh, next week. So that is nice and good. But Before we wrap up our football talk, Sam, you know what we got to do. We have to crown our college and pro 
football players of the week. So who do you have? Yeah. As your college. Player there, of the week? there was a lot of uh, player of the week uh, type performances this weekend. We talked about uh, Jalen Milrow. We talked about even uh, Blake Corum, even Marvin Harrison, even though Ohio State did end up winning. But I am going to go with Abu Sama the third of Iowa State in Farm Again versus Kansas State helped the Cyclones defeat Kansas State 42 to 35 in one of the best games of the weekend. He had 16 carries for 276 yards, 17.3 average per carry, and three touchdowns. Not bad. Yeah, not, not bad. bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, we obviously we didn't talk about that game very much, but big win for Iowa State, and honestly, I think one of the best wins of the Matt Campbell era, to be honest with you, up there with some of those uh, um, Oklahoma wins. Uh, but yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible performance uh, for that guy, because I am not going to try to pronounce his name uh, for with a big win for, for yeah. Iowa State over over rival Kansas State. Um, for my player of the week, I was looking at it. A lot of the best performances were from quarterbacks, of course. Didn't really want to do a quarterback this week, so I'm going to shout out. This is going to be the second rookie, actually, to win player of the week. And this is someone who has probably been pretty frustrated at times, not necessarily getting the uh, the amount of, you know, the, the share of play as it feels like he should with his skill level, with his talent, with his uh, ability to make plays with the football. But this week, give me Bijan Robinson from the Atlanta Falcons. He had a great game against the Saints and a big win for the someone's got to win the NFC South Bowl. Um, he put in 16 carries. 491 yards, um, an average of, uh, of six yards a carry, scored a touchdown on the ground, and then through the air, uh, caught three passes for 32 yards and scored another touchdown through the air uh, with a you know 11, uh, 11 or so average uh, through the air. So, I mean, that's, that's a damn good day, and someone who's definitely had to have been frustrated yeah. with his snap count uh, puts together a big one and, and shows, hey, Arthur Smith, hello. Yeah. Pretty freaking good at football. You know the guy that we – Took the with the eighth overall, seventh or eighth overall seventh, pick, seventh, seventh yeah. overall pick. Yeah, I'm pretty good at football. Give me the damn football. Yeah, it seems the Falcons just don't like using their best players. I mean, this has been a reoccurring theme with Kyle Pitts, mm. um, and then again this year with uh, Bijan Robinson. It seems he is a clear best running back for this Falcons team, and for some reason Arthur Smith just doesn't. Doesn't like to play him. For sure. Definitely confusing. Let's pick some games. What do you think? Let's do it. So last week without uh, without doing an episode, we did put on our social media all of our picks for some of the games. So Sam, hit us with a uh, recap of last week. Yeah, so last week um, we picked a couple games. Uh, we did Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa end up winning. That's one for me, uh, Oregon state versus Oregon. We both got that one with Oregon, Ohio state, Michigan. You got that one with Michigan. Uh, we both, uh, swung with the Texans and up losing that one. As we previously mentioned, uh, Steelers versus Bay or Bengals. 
you stole that one. Steelers, um, we both got the Eagles versus the Bills, and then we both got Ravens uh, beating the Chargers. We both missed out on our Super Dogs this week. You had Florida plus seven against FSU, barely missing out on that. And then I had Texas A&M plus 11 and a half with a brutal beat. So you had five points. I had four points. Um, you are making way uh, get for the season total. You have 71. I have 61. Our Super Dog records sit at, for me, nine and four. And you eight three and one. Yeah, I think rough week for the Super Dogs. Of course, you know that is what we take the most pride in yeah. uh, in our picks. Uh, unfortunate, the first time we've both been skunked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, brutal beat. I think you had eleven and a half. Uh, they score a late touchdown, yeah. make it twelve. Tough. Um, yeah, and rolling with the, rolling with the Gators over the Noles, or to cover against the Knolls, and that didn't hit either. Yeah. But, but We're ready before, for a before we move on, gotta shout you out. Week twelve, you went a perfect uh, eight eight points. Uh, hit everyone plus the uh, plus the super dog, and uh, really made up uh, made that gap between our two season totals. Uh, definitely a big uh, difference though. Let's so go. shout out Let's to you, go. man. Thank you. I appreciate that shout out. I mean, what, what, what was that the uh, Memphis SMU Superdog. It was. Got yeah. It. Got it. Yeah. I mean, uh, all right. I'll definitely take the the perfect week and uh, hoping to have another one of those coming up here. However, we will say uh, for the pick this week, we are not doing a Superdog. Of course, there aren't that many games to choose from with it being conference championship weekend. And we looked at the NFL slate. Yeah, we have Eagles 49ers. But you know what? This is one of the most exciting weekends in college football. Let's make it all about college football so all of our games are college with no super dog unfortunately but we do have some games to pick so let's get into it we are going to start off with the pac 12 championship game with oregon and washington they played one of the best games of the year this uh earlier this year in washington i mean the the spread on this one a little confusing looks like Oregon is is uh, favored by nine and a half points over the um, over the Huskies. Number five, Oregon. Number three, Washington. Sam, who is winning the Pac-12? Yeah, this spread is uh, definitely uh, wild to say the least. Um, give me the Ducks here. Give me the Ducks. I I've not been overly impressed with Washington's defense. Um, they have struggled in the past couple weeks, struggled against Washington State uh, in rivalry week, and it seems that Oregon gets better as the weeks go on. Give me Oregon led by 28-year-old Bo Nix. <laughs> <laughs> 28-year-old Bo Nix. Of course, we also got to mention that this may also be for the Heisman. Yeah. Um, if depending on uh, what, what the committee thinks about uh, about Jaden Daniels' campaign this year. I mean, have, sure, quick side note, have you seen these numbers? Yeah. They, they are insane. 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 Like, better than Joe Burrow yeah. numbers his year at LSU. Uh, so, shout out Jaden Daniels. However, back to the Pac-12 here, Sam. Not so fast. Washington has been one of my favorite teams to watch this year. 
all year long. And I just think they're going to be able to do it again. They've beaten them already. They know what it takes. And I really like this Michael Penix, Roma Dunze duo. I think they're going to be all over the Ducks this weekend. Another high scoring affair, another nail biter. Give me the Huskies to win the Pac-12 and march their way into the playoff. Yeah. The next one, spread not as confusing. (laughs) Michigan and Iowa, this game is just awful. Not a single Iowa fan on earth is looking forward to this game, including us, but we got to pick it. Michigan minus 23 versus Iowa. Who's winning this game? You know, Tanner, everything in my body is telling me, don't be stupid. Michigan's going to roll through, roll through the Hawks. It's not even going to be a close game. They're going to cover plus 10. Uh, They'll probably win by 30. Um, It'll be worse than the Big Ten championship a couple years ago. But something keeps calling my name. It's going to be different. Last time, the Hawks were 22.5 underdogs. They end up winning on a game-winning field goal. So give me the Hawkeyes. Shocking the world. Let's go. They're coming Sam. home with the Big Ten Championship. Hey, Sam, guess what? That's a great pick, baby. I'm on it. Yo, man. Of course. This is no bias whatsoever. This is completely un- unbiased uh, third-party analysis yeah. here. Duh. But this is what I want all Iowa fans to do across the nation on Saturday. Wake up and have yourself a damn cheeseburger <laughs> in solidarity with fat boy Deacon Hill because he is going to lead the Hawkeyes to a Big Ten championship game over <laughs> Michigan. Let's go. Let's go, man. I've also got the Hawkeyes. Let's again, go. Totally unbiased. Let's go. Iowa wins over the Wolverines. I love it. Oh, man. Hard to follow that one up, but we will try. We'll go to the Big 12 for our next game. Oklahoma State clinched their berth in the Big 12 championship game a week ago uh, with a big win themselves. Texas, of course, has been... Probably the best team in the Big 12 all year long. Texas, seven and a half point favorites. Who wins the Big 12? Yeah, this one is going to be a fun one. Kind of two different style of teams. You got Texas with Quinn Ewers uh, just slinging the damn ball. And then you have Oklahoma State with Ollie Gordon uh, just absolutely running the ball for like 400 yards per game. It's going to be a different style of play. It's going to come down to who can play their type of game. Texas has much more to play for. They could eventually get into the uh, Final Four. Give me Texas. I, I just like them a little more than Oklahoma State. Yeah, Sam, I'm 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 gonna agree here with, with that pick. I mean, anytime you run into two teams, you know, with differing philosophies, one like to run the ball, one like to throw the ball, especially college football, the team that throws the ball is most likely gonna win. Yeah. Unless for some reason you play Iowa because somehow they win 10 games a year with one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. <clears throat> I'm going to lean the side of the of the of the more high-powered offense and especially when you look at quality of team, Texas is just a better team. They have the better quarterback. They can score points easier. 
give me the Longhorns in, in this game. But let's move to the SEC now. Big time game. Big implications for the college football playoff. The committee is going to have their eyes all over this one. Georgia and Alabama, the long-awaited matchup. Two teams that are destined to meet Georgia. Five-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Who's winning the SEC? Yeah, this is going to be a fun one, as it always is. It seems like this is the SEC championship for the past five, six years. But something is telling me I really like what I've seen since kind of that midway point in the season by Jalen Milrow. I really like what I've seen from him over the past couple weeks. Give me the tide causing absolutely massive chaos for the college football playoffs. Give me all of it. Give me Bama winning the SEC causing even more chaos. Wow, wow, wow. That is an interesting pick. Uh, but you're right. Somehow, going into this game, Alabama has the quarterback advantage. Uh, yeah. Jalen Milrow, as you said, has been absolutely awesome this year, specifically in, in the later half of the year. Um, doing it with his feet, doing it with his arm. He's been awesome. That offense is humming. With all that being said, give me Georgia. They've been the best team all year. Uh, I mean, every time we're like, they haven't been impressive. They go out and they beat Kentucky by 37. They haven't been impressive. They beat Missouri by a lot. They beat, yeah. oh, what was the one game? Uh, it was uh, Ole Miss. They beat Ole Miss by like 40. Yeah. Like, every time they show up, they play. I mean, obviously they play great football. They're number one seed. Give me Georgia in this game. Um, I'm just going to keep picking them. Until they, till they lose, yeah. which uh, hasn't happened yet, obviously. So so give me the Bulldogs. Um, next, we'll go to the ACC. An interesting game here. We have arguably the biggest surprise in college football. Louisville has been awesome this season. Unfortunately, they are coming off of a loss to their in-state rival, Kentucky, a week ago. But I think that's only their second loss of the year. Yeah. Uh, so right now, 10-2. and two, Great season. For uh, for the Cardinals, Jake Plummer coming in from Purdue, of course. Um, Jeff Brom coming in from Purdue, coaching at Louisville yeah. this year. Uh, I mean, awesome, awesome season for Louisville. Hats off to the Cardinals. They play Florida State, who obviously has been in the top four a lot this season. Lost Jordan Travis a couple weeks ago. The Knowles, two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Who do you got? Yeah, they – I think there's a difference. I don't even think this is even a close game, I think. But with the loss of Jordan Travis, that storyline has obviously changed. I, I, I just like the more experience at quarterback. Give me Louisville, Louisville. knocking off Florida State. Yeah, that, that I've struggled with this one a lot. I mean um, – Louisville didn't look great, you know, against Kentucky, which scares me a little bit. Um, obviously, I mean, the whole story with Florida State right now, no Jordan Travis. How do they bounce back from this? Um, I think they're going to gal- it's going to galvanize the team. Give me the Knowles here. Quarterback Tate Roadmaker <laughs> is going to lead the Knowles. I have to look that one up. I did have <laughs> <laughs> you hear the keys clicking. Uh, Tate Roadmaker against Florida went 12 for 25 with 134 yards. Did not turn the ball over. That's going to be the key for me, Sam, because they have enough talent on this team 
with some of their wide receiving threats, with Trey Benson running the ball. I think they have enough talent to where if they don't turn the ball over, they will be fine in this game. That's the key. I think he gets it done. Give me the Knowles, finishing off a perfect season, getting into the playoff without Jordan Travis in a truly like one of those cool team moments. Like They band together and they overcome a huge injury and they do it for, for number 13. So, so give me Florida State in this one. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting Should one be. for this sure. Is, that's definitely the one I struggled with the most. Uh, the easiest one by far, Iowa over Michigan. Definitely happening. <laughs> yep. Now our last game we're going to pick. We're going to go to the American for this one. Kind of a slept-on conference. A lot of good teams here. SMU, Memphis, awesome. some pretty good teams. SMU actually making the title game. They're going to play Tulane. The, goal, uh, the, excuse me, the Green Wave are four-point favorites. Who do you have here? Yeah, looking at this game, it's going to be a fun one. It seems, like you said, the American is slept on a year in and year out, always have good teams. When I look at this SMU team, one thing pops out, and that is, damn, can they put up some points. 59 last week against Navy, 38 against Memphis, 45 against North Texas, 36 against Rice, 69 against Tulsa, 55 against Temple, 31, just putting up points like nobody business. Give me SMU Mustangs over Tulane this week. Yeah, I mean, again, this is another tough game. I'm looking at it. You're definitely right. SMU puts up points like no other. That game against Memphis (laughs) that I had as my Superdog a few weeks ago, points, 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 and more points. However, look at the two-lane side of things. In their last three ga- or four games, UTSA put up 16 on Tulane. Florida Atlantic put up 8. Tulsa, 22. And East Carolina, 10. Tulane can play some defense. Um, they do have some big-game experience, obviously, while they play that full American schedule. We talked about the American yeah. being a more underrated conference. Took out Memphis earlier in the year by 10. They went up. They actually played Ole Miss earlier in the season. It was a really good football game. The score does not tell the full story whatsoever. Ole Miss went, winning by 17, a late touchdown in that one. It was a really, really close game. Tulane also missing their quarterback in that game. Um, really should have. I mean, I know because I, I bet on Tulane in that game, and they should have covered. Damn it, they were neck and neck the whole game. Late Mississippi pulled away. Give me Tulane here, man. I'm going to trust the defense. Um, I think they are the best team in the American, and I think they're going to be able to to, to hold that SMU offense down and uh, look be more of a gritty game. And if they're able to do that, I like Tulane a lot. Of course, if SMU can kind of impose their will, get the game up and down yeah. a little bit more, SMU has the advantage. But I think Tulane will be able to control the pace of the game, play it a little bit slower, and the Green Wave will win the American. That's going to wrap up our pickup segment. Again, all college football. If you're not doing anything Saturday, I recommend you don't. A lot of good football from the afternoon to the night, all day long. Lots of conference championships, big time implications for the college football playoff, which will then be chosen on Sunday, I believe, uh, before the NFL yeah. slate kicks off. So, great weekend. Uh, if you're- warning the Washington Oregon game. Is actually on Friday night. Oh, so just yes. wanna 
Make yes. sure our listeners know they're not looking for it on Saturday, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. So yes, my apologies. On Friday. That game is not on Saturday. That yeah. On Friday, definitely don't miss that one. Pac-12, playoff, Heisman all on the yeah. line, must-watch TV. I cannot believe we're saying that about the Pac-12 this year. They have, I mean, we've talked about it at length. What an awesome season for the Pac-12. But we're going to wrap it up. We got a couple questions this week, both from Sam's brother, Eric. So thank you, Eric, for the questions. We do appreciate it. The question number one, what has to happen for Iowa to win this weekend over Michigan? Yeah, this is a, this is an interesting question. I don't think anybody's uh, giving Iowa any realistic hope uh, in this one. But to be honest with you, Tanner, I think the biggest question is they Iowa needs to force J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball because if we can at least contain Blake Corum and uh, blanking on the other dude's name, Donovan Edwards, Donovan Edwards we really haven't seen J.J. McCarthy just sling them, yeah. having to sling the ball. We really don't know a whole lot about their um, wide receiver core. Um, but obviously that's not the only thing that happens. Uh, we need to hold them to 10, 10 points and we might have a chance. Yeah, right. That's the thing, right? Um, the minute Michigan hits 14, 17, it's over, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of along the same page. I mean, for me, obviously you hear a lot of football cliches that this is where the game starts or the game is won and lost. But in, specifically in this game, it is, it, it is the case more than others. If Iowa wins the trenches, which is a insurmountably tall task against Michigan, of course, there are two sides to the trenches. You got to be good with on your offensive line, a unit that has struggled this year for Iowa. Then you have to be good on the defensive line and stop one of the best rushing attacks yeah. in college football. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very tall task for for Iowa to, in fact, win the trenches. But I think if they do that. They may have a chance, maybe able to speed J.J. McCarthy up, as you said, maybe get some picks, maybe get some turnovers, short field for the offense, which will, of course, turn into field goals because Iowa can't score touchdowns. Yeah. But if that happens, Iowa may be able to pull off some sort of upset. So win the trenches, absolute number one. If they do that, again, which they probably won't, big time, tall task. If they do that, there's a chance. Yeah. And then our last question, also from Eric, he asked, should the Bears trade fields or trade the number one pick for O-line help and more picks? Yeah, th- this is an interesting one. Um, personally, I, I've always been a fan of fields. I think he's had a tough year. Um, I think for the Bears, because they're not in win-now mode. The, let's just put it how it is. Mm-hmm. They're in rebuild. Um Personally, I y'all know my feelings on Caleb Williams that he's probably gonna be the number one overall pick. Um personally I think he trade the number one pick for some O line and more picks. Um I just think I mean we've seen Justin Fields just absolutely have no time to get rid of the ball. Um and I, I still think Justin Fields can be the guy for the Bears. So I, I'm 
kind of along the boat of trade for some O-line and more picks. Sam, I think you're absolutely right in that statement. I definitely agree. Now, again, I don't think Fields has been impressive to start his yeah. career. I'm not saying that Fields is good. Fields is the answer. I'm not saying any of that. What this to me is, is an, an opportunity like you did a year ago to gain big-time draft capital. Yeah. You have a quarterback who it's really difficult to get a read on. Again, he has not been impressive. But his offensive line is terrible. His weapons are terrible. Yeah. Get him some help. And this is a really easy way to do that. And then you also hit on the next thing. The the season Caleb Williams had, we're not so like we're not sold on him anymore. Yeah. I personally am not. Like I'd still probably if I was a quarterback needy team and I had the number one pick, I'd still probably take Caleb Williams number one. But the doubt on hit, the hit rate for Caleb Williams is a lot higher now than it was a few months ago mm-hmm. when we were talking about the race for Caleb Williams, the race for Caleb Williams. I'm concerned now. That, yeah. that I did not have any concerns earlier. Now, maybe if there's for some reason there's a different quarterback you like, but that's a really risky thing to do to bet, you know, bet on Drake May or, or Jaden Daniels or, or Michael Penix. Like with the number one overall pick, I think it's better to trade it move down, maybe in the two or three slot, see if there's a team who's eager to trade up to number one and get Caleb Williams. Then you can still get a Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe you can still get a Drake May if you fall down yeah. a few spots. But I think, I definitely think you got to trade the number one overall pick. It's just too much of a leverage situation for a team that has so many holes and a quarterback, a young quarterback who has showed signs of struggling, showed signs of playing good football. You just don't know. You need to give him a fair shot. I think the best chance of doing that is to trade that number one overall pick. Yeah. We're on the same page there. That is really good to hear. But guess what? That is going to wrap it up for episode 111. Congratulations. You have made it to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It has been great to be back after Absolutely. a week uh, off. Again, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully you've got a comfy spot on the couch for Friday night. And Saturday, a lot of good college football. Not so much in the NFL, but of course, must watch 49ers, Eagles. But you can follow the podcast on social media, on X, on X, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm getting it down now. X, X, Instagram, and TikTok mm. at crunchtime underscore pod. Follow the YouTube where you can find you, uh, the video version of all of our episodes, crunchtime with the N326 duo. Of course, check out our merch store. We've got both got the sweatshirts on right now. We're matching right now. Yeah. Of course, uh, not planned, but it happens. <laughs> we are matching. Go look out, look at our merch store. Shout out Carol Godsey, your mom, for helping us out with that. Really appreciate the help there. You can follow Sam. Yeah, on X, uh, Sam Godsey 29, and Instagram, Sam underscore Godsey 21. And you can follow me on X and Instagram at tdizlin22. The clock has run out on this episode, and we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time. Yer.